Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Deductionist podcast. Um, as you may well have noticed from the title when this went out as a live stream, uh, it's just me again. It's just me again. Adam is no longer on holiday, but he is stuck at work. <laughs> um, so he, he couldn't make the stream tonight. So we're going to come back uh, and do another one um, on Friday uh, at, at around 9 p.m. UK time, which, uh, as, as you're listening to this, is two days after this one, which is a relevant detail. But there we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do hope everyone's keeping well. It feels like it's been... Uh, it's been a, a good long while since I've, I've had a chat to you guys, even though it hasn't. Um, a lot of stuff has happened uh, in, that, in that time, J not just from myself, but in the world, in the world of, uh, the world of uh, Sherlockians everywhere. It took a devastating blow with uh, everyone's favorite landlady, uh, Mrs. Hudson from... Um, from the BBC show, she uh, she sadly passed on on the twelfth, which uh, as today is the eighteenth. It's a little under a week ago now, and uh, yeah, it was a real kind of moment for the for the fandom to to just sit back and take stock of itself. You know, it was. Uh, I remember last time I um I worked at the uh, at the BBC convention, and uh, she was she'd wander through the halls. This tiny, lovely, lovely lady. Uh, she, she easily five foot two, if she, if she was an inch, and uh, nothing but smiles, and uh, warm comments, and just oozing that kind of. Uh, quintessentially mum vibe, you know that that all all good women who are into that character uh, would ooze. You know, everyone who's successfully played a mother um, on on some kind of TV role has to buy into that kind of uh, believability. And uh, she was just the most awesome, awesome person to hang out with. Um, <laughs> was she in Popeye, Liam? I'd, uh, I had no idea. She was, all, she was in one of, uh, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, um, uh, Faulty Towers. She was in an episode of Faulty Towers, and uh, I, I, I could watch Faulty Towers all day, every day. But yeah, it was, just, it, was just, uh, it was just weird. It was one of those things that when Robin Williams uh, passed on, it, it, it's one of those things that... Uh, that you you kind of feel because you've met these people. I haven't met Robin Williams, by the way. I was I was just a huge fan. Um, you meet these people. You you share a conversation. You know you share some kind of an experience with, and then uh, you you look back on it fondly, and it, it's just a little bit, a little bit more different now uh, as a result. So sad times involved, but um, yeah, I, I, part and parcel of me thinks that's what may have taken uh, Mr. Gatiss off, off Twitter as well. Uh, he's, uh, he's recently taken a break, but yeah, that's, that's what's been going on over here. But how are you guys? How, how are you keeping? 
I, uh, I do hope you're keeping uh, safe and busy and active and all working on your, your memory techniques uh, as often and as frequently as you possibly can. Uh, Rosendo's finally got the book. <laughs> Been waiting on it since 2015. Wowzers. <laughs> I hope the, uh, the six-year wait uh, is worth it. <laughs> I hope you haven't waited um, such a long time for it to be a total, total letdown. How how annoying would that be? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, lots going on. What's today? It's today, it's the eighteenth. I get married in um, in a little over two weeks now, which is is just is just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy um, when you think about it. Well, not when you think about it. <laughs> I imagine you couldn't care less. <laughs> but um, but I think about it, and it's 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 crazy for me. Um, I'm letting my beard grow out until a couple of days before. Um, so I, I I just it's laziness. So I don't have to basically do it again <laughs> beforehand. So it's now hit that stage where I'm 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 very much chewing it. all the time but hopefully other well i will able to uh look quite sharp on the day no but i've been saying for years only googled it because you are the first person to ask me is that right <laughs> damn it shut up <laughs> sorry liam um i've ruined liam's pub quiz trivia i do apologize sir um, but yeah, so some of the things that I've been thinking about this week, I've, um, I've got an interview that's, that's coming out, uh, soon. It, it may be, maybe this week, it may be next week. I'm not entirely sure. I've not, I've not spoken to, uh, um, Anthony, uh, Metivier since, since, uh, he interviewed me for his channel and, um, I've been watching, the uh, the interview that he did with Braden Adams, who's memorizing seventy decks uh, in uh, for for a charitable uh, charitable cause. He's raising money for uh, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, and uh, some of the byproducts that have come from that are the the transferable entities of memory training and memory practice in that area uh you know if if you were able to memorize a few cards half a deck one deck two decks ten decks uh whatever within that area where are the borrow on um skills where are the borrow on qualities that you get to develop as a result they they enumerate far beyond your immediate perception of what they can actually do for you you know it, it is along the lines of 52 things within however long it takes you to do whether it be two minutes 22 minutes or 222 minutes is irrelevant it's still 52 more things than you had before through a, a certain degree of uh of unconscious uh, sorry of uh, of conscious effort she was in wurzel gummidge uh, you're quite right uh, <laughs> i think uh wurzel gummidge and uh, and sherlock 
and uh, Till Death and Benidorm were, were some of the things that she was more famous for. I think she was only in one episode of, of Faulty Towers. I'm digressing now. Liam, uh, Liam popped the comments into the uh, into the feed that she was in Wurzel Gummidge as well. Um, so I'm just circling back to that. But yeah, to that end, if you are confident, competent, comfortable with being able to memorize 52 things after a single sitting, why does that make any difference with them being a deck of cards? Why can't they be things in a room? Why can't they be what a person is wearing? Why can't they be how a person is moving, what they said, when they said it, the license plates that went by? These are the, the transferable entities of being more aware of the world around you. And there was a, uh, there was a question that, uh, that popped up uh, attached to one of the videos through the week in terms of memorizing without the use of mnemonics, which is, is, is quite the feat uh, in, in that area, is, is, is quite the feat and is not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, for example, if you look at the people who have um, aphantasia uh, and the like, which is... Uh, a neurological condition where people who have it can't picture things in their heads. They, they physically, they neurologically can't do it. I'm not sure of what the right word is there, um, but that's, that's not something that they are capable of doing. And yet there, there are those that can take in a wealth of detail and have a wealth of skill uh, and have a wealth of awareness of their surroundings at their disposal. And yet, they can't picture mnemonics in their head in the same way that perhaps you or, you or I could. Now, um, to that end, I'll be perfectly straight with you. Um, I'm not going to give the, uh, the keys away to uh, all of it, because uh, with anything, this, this, is how I, uh, this is how I make my living. <laughs> <laughs> right so so there we go um uh, i'll take my hat off my headphones are sliding down my head as a result i was um i was going to work out after so that's that's kind of that's kind of why i was wearing the hat um uh good evening Stu. hope you're well uh rosendo i see your question uh just currently as we're on this topic i'll come back to you uh i'll come back to you shortly um so yeah with within that area right of memorizing without memorizing <laughs> you know let's uh let's let's bruce lee it up in this hizzle with the uh with the fighting without fighting and the like in short the only way that i can transition the techniques to the point of uh, unconscious competence is to drill them much in the same way that somebody would learn how to fight somebody who does take martial arts classes somebody who boxes somebody who gets involved in the combat sports um, in some way you know um, and to that end right if you've ever been unfortunate enough to be on the receiving end of a fight there is no scenario where you're standing here like this 
as this punch is coming in where you get to process okay it's coming in at this speed towards this side of my face so i'm going to use this move which will be defended in this way in this way the robert downey jr sherlock vision isn't the um isn't uh, it doesn't have a swell of truth about it <laughs> at all um with within that area right it's particularly when it comes to combat and that's the that's the way that i take um my my attitude and my skill set towards observation and being aware of my surroundings and wow non-existence that's a that's a very obscure question <laughs> that's that's come completely out of left field we'll come back to that in a second um so that that's that's the approach that i take to this and once you've drilled something often enough there is the the uh, the remnants of these skills these techniques that bubble under the surface of um of your of your subconscious Stu, i, I saw the article i've got it uh, i've got it to uh, to talk about later i might i might talk about it with adam on the on the stream on friday but i i have i have seen it um the fact that martin uh, martin freeman went to the sherlock escape room and sucked <laughs> uh, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll call back to that at a separate time it was in the sun um, now if you take your your techniques uh, whatever they are right we're just looking at, do, uh, at developing this towards memorization and awareness and uh, observation deduction rationality logical thinking problem solving uh, you know, the deduction, induction, abduction, pragmatic theory, all of these types of things. If we are used to wielding them in as many different situations as we possibly can, that when the time arises where there is a situation that we haven't caused or have no part in, it will be able to react all by itself, which is, again, um, another Bruce Lee take on uh, combat when the when the opponent expand i contract and when he contract i expand and when the time is right i do not hit it hits all by itself right it's it's the same it's the same uh guiding light towards all techniques behaviors hobbies that we look to develop right if you gave a musician, uh, let's say a pianist, just because there's one behind me. If you were not a pianist, a piano. Uh, <laughs> if you gave a, um, a a pianist after a month a, sh a piece of sheet music, I'm sure with enough time they could sit there and and figure out where each finger was supposed to go, and what time signature was supposed to be adhered to, and eventually stumble their way through the piece of music. Whereas six months, 12 months, whatever it is down the line, depending upon how often they practice, you pop uh, a piece of sheet music in front of them and they will simply just play it, right? There's, there's no, uh, semantics is, a, is, a, is another area, but there's no real difference, in my opinion, between that side of, of, of mnemonics and, and processing in this area 
and the other side of observation. It's, it's one translates into the other, right? We can think of it as, as conscious storage versus unconscious storage. You know, if there's ever been a situation where you have watched a film and uh, you've, you've come out of the, the cinema and you, you and your buddies are talking about your favorite kinds of scenes or action or, you know, the, the hot girl or guy that was in it and, you know, whatever, these, these types of things. And you, you say things like, oh, yeah, wasn't it great when they went here and did this and said this? And yeah, when he had to take his jacket off so he could flex his muscles and then go for a swim. And when the lady kicked the other lady in the face and whatever else was happening, right? You're reciting these things. And yet when you've watched this film, there's, I would argue, there's, there's never been a moment where you've sat there and attached all of these details to a, to a journey. You've, you've stored them in different areas of your memory palace. No, right? You've, you've given in to this one and a half hour long, two and a half, two and a half hour long, if it's a Stephen King film, probably <laughs> uh, a stream of information, right? And you've given up your, um, your behavioral patterns of enjoying films and enjoying TV shows or whatever it, uh, whatever it is that you're watching or music or podcast, whatever it is, right? I'm digressing. But that's this, the scenario and situation where these unconscious practices come into effect. We can take the same attitude in a nutshell towards our work within memorization and our work within observation and mnemonics and drilling these types of things over and over and over again, right? There was, there was a, a point at the start when... Um, when I was first looking at license plates, God, number of years ago now, um, when I when I take each individual letter and number in turn, and I compute that against uh, country of origin, flags on the plates, uh, where the letters meant that the car was from, and as well as the uh, the details for the uh, for the license plate itself. And then after a while, when the, particularly within the UK, when the formulation of license plates changed, it went primarily to the two letters, two numbers, three letters, uh, and the like. Instead of it being individual, um, uh, in individual lines of information, it was just three. There was the two letters together, two numbers together, and then the three letters together. They just formed this little picture. Nowadays, everything gets swallowed up in one. Right. And I couldn't tell you initially, after I've looked at a license plate, what kind of storage practice I went through to get that. There are some that, that I, I will be able to because it might be a run of numbers that I've not come across for a while or a license plate country that I've not seen before or, or things to that effect. But when you're dealing with the conventionality of UK license plates, by and large, they fall into the same kind of system over and over again so that when it pops up, I can just boop, take this information because I've spent so long looking at the system of how to get this information in my head and keep it there under pressure, under stress, at speed, in volume, right? And as many different situations uh, as as I possibly could, there was um, there was a, a an, an incident that I went through. Uh, oh, sweet irony! I forget how long ago it was. 
um, when I was I was coming out of a shop and some guy hit me on on his motorbike. Uh, and if you know the area uh, at all in which I live, the, uh, the well, it wasn't really a motorbike. It was like a little crosser type of things. Uh, which it should really own. I don't know the nuances of motorbikes. So if you forgive the kind of cack handed description, because I don't really know. Um, but it, it, with the with the size of the suspension and the kind of seat that was on there, it looked like it belonged more on a dirt track with the big jumps in between that kind of a bike. It wasn't like um, a big Harley or, or anything like that. Um, Oh, sorry, I've got a bit of Windy Pop stuck. So I've come out to this shop, and uh, it, it, it was on the pavement uh, as, as well. It was on the pavement, and bang, straight into me. Uh, I, it can't have been more than 15, 20 miles an hour, something like that, right? Because I was able to – I went to hospital. I, I cracked a couple of ribs and the like, but it was still something that I could just about walk away from you know, without, without any real, real physical injury. But because I'm so used to dealing with stress, so used to dealing with flash observation of, of everything in one particular situation, I was able to give them license plates, details of the leathers, details of the guy, color of the helmet, where they were going and where the, which way they turned after they got to the other side of the street when they were getting away. And if you think about each of those individual streams, that's that's too much for you to take in that kind of a, a, a time frame. It's too much. It's too much, you know. But when you're used to dealing with things uh, in 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 this kind of way, the the systems that you have in place take care of a lot of that detail for you, right? It's a lot like learning to trust that your memory techniques will take over, will will do this work for you because you've trained them to be able to do that, right? In the same way that once you get in a fight, there's no script to follow. Uh, it's not wrestling, <laughs> right? You know, you you can't be like, right, so I'm going I'm gonna throw the jab in three. You, you're gonna counter with the with the left strike. Three, two, one. Uh, it's there's none of that right these things just happen so we have to prepare ourselves accordingly when the opponent expand i contract and when he expand uh, sorry and when he contract i expand and when the time is right i do not hit it hits all by itself you know this is the reason we could walk around our living room with our eyes closed this is the reason we could tell our kids where they've left, which floor they've uh, they've left their clothes on, and why. Right? We've never consciously set out to store this information as part of our of our memory palace or part of our journey, but we've trained ourselves in the particular situation that we're in, in terms of the household, to be aware of certain things more than we are of others. Why can't we take that kind of attribute with us? We can. Uh, we, we have to go through the time and the effort that it takes to be able to train these things. And I, the reason I stress time and effort is because the time you will have to devote to get to somewhere half competent at, at doing that is huge. The effort 
that you will have to give in order to develop these techniques enough for you to be able to use them in this way is huge. And, you know, the, the, the simple fact is there are far too many people out there that aren't willing to do that. And that's, that's, that's fair enough, right? If you're not, you're not. <laughs> there's, no, there's no good or bad scenario in, in that situation. But if you're not prepared to do that, you can't expect to get the same thing out of it. It's, it's a lot like doing three press-ups every now and again versus the guy that does 10 consistently every day. The guy that does 10 consistently every day is going to come out with better results than you. And that's, that's really as, as simple as it gets in that area. This is why I couldn't contain the, the whole thing to a, to a simple comment, to a simple reply. Um, so, yeah, and, and again, the, um, the, the details of this go far beyond here. Wow, that was very bright. I just caught the glimpse of that in my glasses. What? Like I've got giant polos for eyes. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it goes far beyond this. I'm um, I'm currently working through a uh, a ten week training training program with uh, some of my students, particularly on this area of situational awareness um, and the like. There is my uh, there is my standard course that will that will get you there uh, to be able to do it, but this is <clears throat> nth degree, um, and the the reason I, I say that is because it's it's very difficult, you know, it's very taxing. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, it's not your traditional course in that area where you leave feeling peppy uh, after each time because the, the coach has to give you that sense of accomplishment so you'll keep coming back and uh, this type of thing. It's about me uh, applying these techniques for you in the real world, which is a very different situation uh, to a to a classroom style setting, um, so yeah, to that guy that asked that question on that video, uh, <laughs> I believe it was on the Simone Biles video. Um, thanks. I mean, it's a great question, and they are the basics. And if you want to take those semantics away with you and make it your own, by all means, do so, because you will get there with that kind of rough building block dynamic it will take you a while uh, to get there but you will get there you, you will get there uh, eventually you know of having the uh, the knowledge uh, of your surroundings at your fingertips at any given moment because that's the reason why situational awareness feels so freaky to to some people people expect like a uh, a step-by-step -step or, a, or or a technical guide when reality dictates that there isn't one because for there to be a step-by-step -step guide there has to be step-by-step -step situations to reality and there's there simply aren't <laughs> right there's there's far too many variables uh, to consider in that area so it's a lot like the uh, technique without technique fighting without fighting you can see why i can't get rid of bruce lee's philosophy try as i might uh, to be able to do it appears my uh, my other half has just returned from her bike ride, um, so yeah, she's uh, she's in the hizzle in the he house, right? Let's have a look at these questions. Um, Rosendo, I 
I find the book like the treasure of Sherlockian information. You're very kind to say so. Thank you very much. I'm trying to find ways to practice by myself. Can you help to find ways to practice things in isolation like bodybuilding, for example, facial hair, inducing dogs, and so on? Well, once you've read the book, it will give you a laundry list of, um, of things to choose from. The, the, uh, when it comes to training specifically, when you're doing it in isolation, the most pragmatic thing that you can do for yourself is to find these elements that have the uh, the option for you to confirm or deny one way or another the deductions that you've made about whatever it is that you're reading, right? So um, uh, if it is that you are looking at uh, at dogs, at facial hair, or whatever else it is that you're that you're looking at, you would need to come up with some um, way of confirming what it is that you see, like. For example, um, I, I, there's, there's no real uh, indirect way uh, in, in isolation because you're going to have to ask people to confirm or deny, right? And that's, that's something that I've never really found challenging. A lot of people find that to be um, awkward, at least socially at first, which I completely get. Uh, I completely get it's it's a weird thing to to go up to a stranger and go, hey, do you own three dogs that do this? And, right. They're going to get the fuck away from me. You crazy individual. I've already called the police. I'm about to taser you. That's well, just stoke. OK, fair enough. That's, that's probably what just happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that kind of stuff has, has never really bothered me. One thing that um that did work for me quite well during my days at uh, university and I've used it a lot since as well so it's it's not necessarily specific to being of university age uh, and it might be I've not tried it since uh, the COVID situation but it might be particularly um, believable um, I think might be the best word if you used it nowadays in, in these given surroundings, given we're all slowly coming out of our cages like the, uh, the hermetal crabs that we were forced to be. Um, I would carry around a, uh, a small clipboard and uh, I, would, uh, I would wander up to people, um, talk to them, introduce myself, uh, and I would first of all look to allay any fears about, look, I don't want, don't want any money from you or your, your details. I'm not working for a charity or anything like that. I'm doing a social experiment for my psychology degree. And I just want to see how comfortable strangers are talking to each other about themselves. Does that sound like fun? You'll, you'll get a very direct answer in terms of your reply. You'll get people that acquiesce, quite, quite interested, or you'll get people that will tell you to go forth into the world and multiply. But ultimately, that there provides you with an option to train your ability to read the people. Who can you see in terms of their openness, in terms of their displays? What's, what are they carrying with them that makes you think that they would be a good participant to go and talk to, right? What makes you think that this person is the best to avoid in that particular th uh, field, first of all? There's option number one for feedback. Great way to train your uh, awareness of reading people and groups uh, for approachability, for openness, for comfort uh, at, at talking with strangers. We get to make observations about how potentially honest and forthright they are uh, in these particular scenarios. That's job one. 
it's job one. Now, if they've 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 said, yeah, come on, let's let's have a conversation, let's let's talk. Um, I'm then going to ask them questions about themselves that directly relate to whatever kind of deductions I've made about them. So, uh, what do you do for a living? Noting it down. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and make conversation. This is a chance for me to practice my conversational control, practice my persuasion and influence tactics, practice my conversational influence, right? See what other kind of details I'm capable of talking out of them. Can I talk them out of their pin number? For example, those are some random challenges that I used to set myself, but that's, I'm digressing away from deduction there. Now, under the guise of this kind of social experiment in this situation, you can directly ask a stranger questions that relate to some deductions you've made about them and immediately confirm or deny one way or the other. Just as part of the practice, you have to offer them a chance to ask you questions and then you would go through a system of rating um, how comfortable they felt about the whole endeavor because that's supposedly what you're building, uh, you know, the, the so it might be that uh, you, you drop a link out on Facebook and uh, here's a Zoom link. And you say, uh, if you want to, if you want to take part in a social experiment, uh, we'll just see how a bunch of strangers are at getting together and talking about themselves. Right. It can be like a pub without a pub. It can be like a, a youth club without a youth club. I'm showing my age because I don't know if they are still a thing, um, particularly within the UK. Uh, <laughs> right. This, this, is a, this is a great way for you to be able to build confidence within that area. And you get immediate feedback in terms of your progress, where you need more work. Right. So maybe that's, maybe that's something to consider uh, moving forwards from there. Um, non-existent was Carl Jung a genius or schizophrenic <laughs> what a loaded question um, first of all I, I, I wouldn't be the best person to ask because I've, uh, I've not spent a great deal of time focusing on the man himself I focused more on He's a, I'm, I haven't got a, the reason I'm looking around for things is because my ice is melting. It's causing condensation rings on the table. So I keep, I keep having to wipe it off on my shorts um, underneath. I'll just hold it. I'll just hold it for now. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've spent more of my time uh, looking at his work rather than, rather than him. Because if you think about the, the aesthetic difference between the two, right? somebody's work if you like if you look at if you look at what i do for example uh, you know here here's a guy that has very often made observations about people when smelling their shoes that's weird you know if, if who's who's uh i don't know I, I was about to just give you a laundry list of stuff that i'm not allowed to tell you um who's figured out pin number through hand movements who's figured out names of pets Who's who can spot if you're lying? But you know, whatever, whatever else it is, if if you take the the aesthetics of it, it might create a, a, a kind of falsified impression of um, of who and what the person is. So, I've I've not spent too much time looking at Carl Jung himself enough to know where, if any, 
there is there is any bleed over in terms of the possible signs of schizophrenia versus where where they where they would just uh, fall into you know sort of aging quirkiness within that area right it's that it's that quintessential fine line between between genius and and madness what was it the joker said all you need is a little push um and which which is exactly what it is if you spend enough time thinking about everything which is the the way that geniuses tend to function it's it's going to take its toll on you it's it's that's the simple fact of the matter and i realize that's not really answering your question so for my two pennies and my answer is only going to be biased at best because I've not done both sides um, justice enough to be able to make a, a unbiased deduction uh, uh, about the true answer. I would consider him a genius. I would. Um, now, that's not to say that all of his um, theorems and ideas and books and techniques were absolute gold because they weren't. And obviously, people's definition of genius differs from dictionary to dictionary. Almost, I'm, so, I'm sure Samuel Pepys would have had a um, a different definition versus, you know, the way it's been kind of devolved and uh, dissolved uh, nowadays. That uh, you know. When, when you've been stood up in a room for too long and somebody brings in a chair, you go, oh, my God, that's genius. Is it? <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> All of these kind of uh, life hack moments that, that you see out there, oh, my God, that's so clever. Is it? Is it, though? Uh, and there was, that, there was that really popular guy who would, uh, who would look at the, uh, the, the hacks do something much easier and then just stand there going like this that guy's the clever one in that scenario you know that's that's the this the skewed perception of what it is to be a genius so for me um and and again that's that's only my two pennies for me a, a, a genius would be somebody who is who is consistently pushing who's consistently pushing and, and achieving uh, at, at least more success than they do failure Right. If like if you go back to the work of uh, Thomas Edison and the like with his work revolving around the light bulb, the man's a genius for me. Right. Because to to still keep persisting and uh, in, 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 in pursuing and inventing and creating uh, in the face of all that adversity uh, to eventually come out with success at the end means he is consistently learning, means he is consistently growing, means he is consistently developing. And ultimately, that's what a genius does, right? They never stop learning. They never stop growing. They never stop developing the, the noodle, the, the gray matter, um, as it were, within that area. So, yes, Carl Jung, for me, was a genius. Um, <laughs> the detective pops in. Tesla was robbed. Tesla was robbed. <laughs> this is uh this is great this is turning into the uh um uh, what was that film was it the current uh the co ah, i forget what it was uh a cumberbatch was in it tom holland number of others 
you know, about the, the main guys within this area. Uh, but yeah, Tesla was robbed. Um, such a such a bright spark. Hey, no pun intended. Uh, next question. Do you believe Sherlock was narcissistic? I know you've done some psychological analysis videos, but never any specific to narcissism. Do I, do I have any thoughts on the topic? I do. Um, I do, as it happens. And um, <laughs> in, in short, the answer is both yes and no. Right? Because there are many different realms of, of narcissism when, when you think about the different... Uh, the different uh, characters that, that use levels of narcissism to achieve nefarious means by stepping on others to get to where they're going. And, you know, uh, the, the narcissism that is created in domestic relationships to suppress the other, to make the other feel better, uh, you know, the, the kind of emotional vampire-esque uh, type of narcissism that come out of it. But and do correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dr. Johnson, most people seem to believe that Sherlock was a narcissist in the realms of egocentrism, you know, in that belief of, um, uh, of, of being on the, on the, on the money, on the, on the right answer, screw everyone else. I'm the smartest person in the room. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and again, do, do correct me if I'm wrong in, in terms of what your question is, because uh, for me, I don't particularly believe that that's the case with Sherlock, right? I think that a lot of the... I'm going to put it on the floor because it's making my hand really cold now. I think that, he, um, that a lot of the, um, the scenarios have been uh, sensationalized, as well they should be, because it's... Um, it's entertainment at the end of the day. But if you look at what he is as an archetype, I don't know what that was, but something just knocked on my door. Um, I must have ghosts. Um, if you look at what he is as an archetype, he is a guy that is called upon because he thinks about the same things that life throws at the police in a way that they, they either don't want to or can't, right? Which, given the dynamic of being that cult consulting detective, he is only ever really called upon when the police are stuck. Yeah? So that's that's definitely going to build the the false dynamic in terms of the narcissism through uh, through everybody else being in the room. You know, if there were everybody else that was in the room that wasn't frustrated at Sherlock because they couldn't solve it, then there'd be this no kind of projected dynamic where he just has to caption the obvious and well, you you couldn't solve it. That's why I'm here. I don't I don't. I don't I don't particularly find there to be anything narcissistic about that because that's captioning exactly what's happened. You couldn't solve it. That's why I'm here. Because if you could solve it, excuse me, yeah, if you could solve it, nobody would have even called me. So I, I wouldn't have even known. And I realized the uh, kind of 
sidestep egocentrism <laughs> by referencing myself for Sherlock in that scenario. But we'll sidetrack that. We'll sidetrack that altogether. Um, so that's that's definitely the way that the dynamic is built up there. But particularly when it comes to dealing with um, logical problems in this way, when it comes to, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, here we go. We've got some context from Dr. Johnson. Uh, egocentrism is correct uh, in the sense that his lack of self-doubt allows him to pursue vigorously his theories. Perhaps this is also related to the topic of genius. To be a genius, one must be egocentric. So it's a fair assessment, right? It's a fair assessment. Um, it, it, it is. And this is where, and again, it, it might be my uh, heavily biased opinion in this area. Make of it what you will but it is only my opinion nonetheless. And I draw very distinct differences between things like egocentrism and confidence, just, just as the same way I would draw distinctions between um, empathy and compassion. You know, even though technically speaking, you know, they're both sides of the same coin um, within that area. So like um, when you look at... Uh, the encouragement of um, understanding, you know, people tell you to be empathetic, uh, you know, to, towards people's problems. And the rudimentary explanation that we get for that is to imagine yourself in their shoes. Okay, if I'm imagining myself in your shoes, I wouldn't have made that decision. I'd have done something completely differently. Just as a hypothetical, we've immediately killed everything there. But if I'm going to be compassionate towards you, I can, I can understand the steps that you went through and the decisions that you, that you made through getting more information out of you, through direct questions, through showing you that I'm on your side. The, the same distinction I would draw in this area between egocentrism and confidence. For me to absolutely say, this is what happened. I'm going to go out and do it. No, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Fair enough, think I'm wrong. I'm going to go and do it anyway versus I, I think this is what happened. I'm going to go out and uh, relentlessly pursue this endeavor. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, shut up. You're stupid. I'm so much better than you. This is amazing. I'm the smartest person in the room ever. And then go out and do it anyway. That's where I would strike the difference in that area between e egocentrism and confidence. If, uh, if you look at uh, what popped up um, uh, between uh, Sherlock and Anderson, there's, there's got to be a comic relief kind of uh, foundation towards the relationships there with the whole lowering the IQ of the, of the whole street. Um, the, 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 there's always, there was always one in every group, but that's just that's mean in that. That just makes him a bit of a dick towards Anderson, but that also makes Anderson a bit of a dick towards Sherlock <laughs> within that area, right? That's, that's where I would draw the distinction between the two. I, I would personally believe that to be, uh, to be a genius, you've got to relentlessly pursue your ideas with, with confidence, with confidence, right? Because when you're confident, you are open to that which could prove you wrong. When you're egocentric and arrogant and narcissistic, it, it, to me, these are the people that are very much... I'm not listening. I'm so amazing. Oh my God. Ah. Right. These, these are your, these are your Kim Kardashians of the world. Right. I, I, that's, that's egocentrism for me uh, within that area. So if you look at the times where um, 
uh, I think it was in like one of the the kind of few few clips cut together uh, kind of moments uh, at, at the start of season two, I think. Oh, nobody wants to hear about the unsolved ones, uh, right? So that's a, a minor dent in his confidence, right? Because Sherlock is only uh, aware of the uh, the confidence he has to keep going and uh, making his deductions and making his successful cases and getting involved in what he does because he loves it. He loves it. Uh, you've only to look at the episode with um, with the blind banker in the fact that he doesn't have anything to do with the money. Let's John take care of that. I'm going to go crack on and eat my intellectual meals, so to speak, with it. Right. That, that's that's the kind of. Oh, he's he, Dr. Johnson. Thanks for the reply. Perhaps the term narcissistic is imprecise. Egocentric is definitely a better, less maladaptive scripture. Um, I, I very much enjoy your content. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for what. For watching dr johnson i i sincerely appreciate it sir uh hey peter peter's here good to see you sir um so yeah to that end guys it was only uh it was only really going to be a, a relatively short one this evening mostly because uh I, as i say um adam is he's still at work <laughs> so uh we're coming coming back again on friday to uh to do this properly but um, I uh, I didn't want to not do it at all um, because I miss you guys. <laughs> but as you can probably hear from my voice, I spend so much of my time uh, talking through these lessons and courses and whatnot that uh, I, I kind of spoken myself hoarse. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the time after the wedding, my love, you know, I'm, I'm I think somebody wants to go play. How's it going, Sherlock? Oh, Peter, you smoothie, um, you, <laughs> you, uh, you know exactly how to uh, to treat me real nice. Um, so yeah, to that end, guys, that's that's the uh, the sole purpose of the uh, of what I wanted to to encapsulate within the stream this evening was the uh, the memorization without mnemonics, as it sounds counterintuitive on the surface to be able to do. But it's one of those things that's very much achieved through just years of of practice. And I'm dangerously close to my 21st year. We're dangerously close to the return of the podcast that uh, of the you know of of this being being going a year a year already. 52 episodes. We're very close, which is absolutely crackers. Um, <laughs> There was a there was a moment where I was drinking my coffee the other morning when uh, Lexi, God, God love her, little rapscallion. I just threw that at the fire. Oops. Um, she uh, she got on the sofa and just dropped her ball right in my coffee cup <laughs> with the biggest kind of unsubtle hint that there has ever been. Uh, within this moment right so to that end guys i uh i'm gonna wind this one up i hope you uh i hope you are all keeping safe and well uh and i shall see you all on friday uh 9 p.m uk time adios amigos mm -hmm.